Welcome to the inaugural edition of the Coaches Show podcast. I'm Brian Billick with my partner Jim Moore, and we'll be with you every week during the season. This show is the place where we give you all the latest information and analysis around the league, but from the eye of a coach. The Coaches Podcast is also the doppelganger, if you will, to the Coaches Show that airs Monday on the NFL Network at 6.30 p.m. So let's get right to it, Jim. Um, Tony Romo, that's what everybody's talking about. Is he a legitimate guy? Can he lead the Cowboys to a championship based on what we saw on Sunday night? Well, you and I disagree a little bit on this, Brian. Uh, I, I think he's a really good quarterback in this league, but I don't think he's an elite quarterback. I think he has the potential or the abilities to look elite at times, but when he makes errors like he made Sunday, throwing the ball to Darrell Rivas late in the game versus an obvious two-man situation, and you see that over and over with him, it's hard for me to say that he's a guy that's ever going to be able to lead this organization to a Super Bowl. And that's the key. To me, I've always said, if you, all you have is a quarterback that does what he's told within the system, throws to the guy he's supposed to, you're not going to be very good. At some point, a quarterback has to have that ability to throw the ball where you and I as coaches, or even fans, if you were to freeze the frame when the ball comes out of his hand, and we as coaches or fans would go, what are you doing? Why are you throwing it there? But how many times have we seen the great great ones now drop that in the right place, make that throw that, that wins the game? Now, I think Tony Romo is capable of that, but we also talked about Brett Favre made a career out of that, but he had enough pelts on his belt. He had enough winning behind him that you stuck with him through those series of mistakes that in the latter part of his career, quite frankly, cost them a championship, but he had... Uh, you know, he had the gravitas, he had the rep to, to get past that. I agree with you to the point, Romo's not there yet, and I don't know that he'll get there if he continues to make the mistakes. Right, and I agree with you. I, 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 uh, I do think that he can ad-lib at times and make throws. I just don't see him do it in critical situations. Right. I see too many mistakes out of this guy in critical situations, and I don't want to beat him up because I like him. I think he's good for the league. I think he's a good quarterback. But if you're asking me, does he belong in the, in the same league as Peyton Manning, Drew Brees, Tom Brady, in my opinion, Phillip Rivers? No, I don't think he does. And I don't think he's good enough. You know what? Saying good enough is not the right thing. I don't think he makes good enough decisions in critical situations for them to be able to win it. And I think that that's probably something that Jason needs to start addressing and probably has been addressing for years and years and will continue to address. Tony, we've got to be better decision makers at critical times in critical games. Well, and let's go back to the coaching perspective. You know, something that you and I would deal with if we had a Tony Romo that you have to look at, and I look at from a coaching perspective. You, you just mentioned guys like Brady and Manning and Breeze. Uh, and now Aaron Rodgers. When you see those guys, what do you also see? You see tremendous stability at the coaching position. Continuity in the system and the style of play and the fundamentals and the way they've been coached. Tony Romo hasn't had that. He's gone from a Bill Parcells to a Wade Phillips to now a Jason Garrett, uh, a Peyton, uh, Sean Payton to a Jason Garrett. I think Jason Garrett's a good coach. You also have the element, it is the Cowboys. You've got Jerry Jones, who's going to you know oversee it all and put in his two cents. That's a lot to deal with. Now, if he's going to be a great quarterback, he's going to have to deal with it. But his circumstances and what's surrounding him certainly contribute to that. I think his abilities put him in a position to be a championship-style quarterback, maybe elite quarterback. I'm not, his, I'm not sure his circumstances are going to allow him to mature into that. I think that's a great point because I, I do agree with you. His abilities, 
his God-given abilities and the abilities that he's developed do give him the chance to be viewed as an elite quarterback. But like you said, until he overcomes the perception that he can't win in the playoffs, that he makes poor decisions at critical times, until he overcomes the circumstances of the organization that he works for, uh, he, he won't be considered an elite quarterback. But I, I have to agree with you, Brian. He does have the skill set to be an elite quarterback. Well, let's, let's move on to the other big topic that, that uh, obviously everybody's talking about, the absolute implosion <laughs> of the Indianapolis Colts. And it was interesting for me to watch, obviously, all the things that transpired leading up to the game, all the observations that everybody made. Boy, what's going to happen to the Indianapolis Colts if Peyton Manning can't play? You know, and there were that element that also said, well, you know what? We said the same thing about New England, that if Tom Brady went down, they were dead. Well, they went 11-5. and five. Obviously, Matt Castle came in and played very well. So there are those that were saying, okay, well, let's see. Maybe the Indianapolis Colts can survive this. But at the end of the day, I think we both see it the same way. Peyton Manning and what he does is so unique, so proprietary to him. This is a change far beyond. Any, any team in the NFL right now, you take your starting quarterback away, we'd be saying, boy, they got a problem. What are they going to do now? How are they going to adjust? Peyton Manning takes this to a whole new level. Oh, he's, you said it. He's so unique. And his impact on that entire offense is so unique. There aren't any quarterbacks probably in the history of the league that have had as much influence on what they do offensively from a schematic standpoint, from a technique standpoint, from a strategical standpoint as Peyton Manning does. He essentially runs that offense and has for a number of years. And now they're going to a guy in Kerry Collins who is, uh, he's had a nice career. Okay? He's been a good quarterback. He's played in a Super Bowl. All right? But he doesn't fit what they want to do in Indianapolis. And they're going to have to make major, major changes in their offensive philosophy if they want to have any success this year, as long as Peyton's out. Well, I think people need to understand, because you and I have been there, Jim. We've seen in Indianapolis practice. Obviously, people like Tom Brady, Drew Brees, Aaron Rodgers, they have a huge amount of input about their offense, either with their coaches or within the structure, whether it's an offensive coordinator, quarterback coach. I like this. I like that. I'd like to do it that way. Peyton Manning takes it to a whole nother level. You watch their practice. He coaches everybody. He's the running back coach. He's the receiver coach. He's the line coach. He's dictating the line calls, the way they go. So, I mean, this is, this is as tailor-made for him, specific to him, as any offense that exists. It's not fair to put that on Kerry Collins. And we could have another discussion as Kerry Collins at the point in his career where he can come in and be productive. But this takes it to a whole nother level. We talked earlier, and, and, and we'll talk a little bit about it on our coaches show, um, is that the question I have, and we don't know the answer to this, when did Indianapolis know or did they know if indeed Peyton Manning was not going to play? It's two different scenarios going, well, we think he's going to play, so we got to keep that structure alive as best we can and hope Kerry can hold on for a week or two. It's a totally different one if they know, look, he's not coming back. Now it's incumbent on, we got to totally redesign this offense. Yeah, you're right. If they, if they believed that Kerry was going to just be a, a two- or three-game fix then it made sense to stick within the schemes that, they're, that they've employed with Peyton, minimize things, and let Kerry work. If they felt like this was going to be a long-term problem with Peyton Manning, then they needed to have a plan of action in place that said, okay, hey, you know what, we're going to go away from this shotgun, three-wide receiver look, even though one of the wide receivers is usually Dallas Clark out there, and we're going to go back to two-back, we're going to pound it, 
And, Brian, another point is they need to maybe change their defensive philosophy. Well, I was just going to ask you about because that. Because defensively, they've been a team that has been willing to give up threes while they know they're going to get sevens on the other side. And, and they might have to become a more aggressive style of defense, try to force turnovers, take more chances. That could lead to some more big plays against them, but it could also set their, their offense up with better field position. So I think as an organization today, and I'm sure they're doing it right now or this week, is they're stepping back and they're saying, okay, who are we? Okay, who are we defensively? Who are we offensively? Who do we need to become offensively and defensively to have any chance to have success this year? It's hard to imagine that those conversations haven't been had. There's only so much you can do And they do probably have, they have, but sure. maybe not to the extent that they needed to. Well, let me ask and you this, and I'm interested in your perspective being you know, a, a guy with a defensive background. We talk about a different defensive philosophy for Indianapolis, where before it was, look, if we just play good, sound defense, Peyton will get seven, we'll give up three. Right. He'll get another seven, we'll give up three. Now it's 14 to six, and, and I can stay ahead of that curve. When you say you've got to change the defensive philosophy, they have to be more aggressive now? They've got to create turnovers. Yeah, they do. I think they have to create short fields, and that goes against what they've been. You know, They've been a team that plays a lot of zone. They play a lot of two deep. Zone defense, kind of keep everything in front of them. Three deep, keep everything inside and in front of them. Uh, they will run what we call, what you and I call rush zones or zone dogs or zone blitzes. You know, they're still fairly safe concepts defensively. I think they're going to have to take more chances. I think they're going to have to, to start bringing people on blitzes more. I think they're going to have to play a little bit more man-to-man. Uh, now, does their personnel match up with what I'm asking them to do? I don't know. I don't know. And... and Maybe they don't know either, and uh, I think though if Kerry Collins is going to be their quarterback, uh, and and this is once again, you know, Kerry's had a good career. I don't want want to sound like I'm ripping on Kerry, but if they're they're going to have to create some short fields defensively. You know, as a coach, uh, as a head coach, and we've both been in that situation. I think the other challenge here for Jim Caldwell. You've got some players that have been used to success. And they, they burred up last week, you know, and kind yep. of said, hey, we're not a one-man show here. We're better than that. Well, evidently you're not. When you've got a Reggie Wayne, a Jeff Saturday, a Gary Brackett, what, what, what do you think we can do as head coaches to help hold, you know, so these guys don't go, oh, boy, this is, yeah. this is heading down quick. Well, I think, you know, they've got some maturity on that team. And so I think that, you know, a guy like Jeff Saturday, who's, you know, he's a man. I mean, he's a, he's a real rock. He's a real leader. You know, I think he'll do the best he can to hold things together. I worry about guys like Reggie Wayne. You know, Reggie made some comments when they first brought Kerry Collins in about this isn't the answer, you know. Uh, I worry about those kinds of things. I think that, that Jim Caldwell today has to have a real uh, hard talk with the leaders on his team. And he has to say, listen, you know, we have got an issue here, and we're going to address it. We might not be able to address it right now, you know, uh, but I need you guys to stay in the, bo- in the boat with me. Okay, and I need you to continue to push my message out into the locker room, and it needs to be a positive message, and uh, that's what he's got to do. All right, let's talk about another quarterback situation, because this is a quarterback-driven league. A um, couple interesting things. Cam Newton, you know, yeah. obviously that w- an amazing game, an opening game. I, I'm not a huge Cam Newton fan, and, and I, let me rephrase that. you got to love Cam Newton. You love the personality, athleticism. I have serious questions whether that – Ability can translate into winning football in the National Football League. Winning championships. In the exactly right. You can win a lot of games, but can you win a championship? At least from a, I'm showing my age now, I'm an old man, and from a conventional standpoint, <laughs> no. I would say no, but 
That was a spectacular opening game for him. It was uh, truly spectacular, and he was working against a defense that's in transition, and he'll have a different test this week when he takes on the Green Bay Packers and what Dom Capers brews up for him. But to see a guy come in and throw for over 400 yards and manage the game the way he did and, and throw some real accurate throws to the outside the way he did, I don't see how you can't be impressed. I'm a little bit like you, Brian. You know, I, I, I have my concerns, and I had my concerns about him in the draft. You know, I felt like they had to take him because of what he was. I didn't see him developing as fast as maybe he has, or at least he showed in week one. Uh, but it's still early. You know, he's going to make some mistakes. Right. Uh, he's going to have some tough games. We'll see how he matures, but he certainly got off to a great start. And, you know, I, I, let me ask you this, okay, because this is – when you watch college games, which we watch college games, you're seeing a different style of play in college. Is that style of play going to become the norm in the NFL you know, at some point That's in a time? great question, Jim. I was just going to ask you the same thing because we've talked about this before, that the style of play in college is dramatically different now than what has won in the NFL. So that's the players that's coming up to this league. Right. And the question becomes, can that style of play win at this level or does the athleticism that you now have, which where the talent is much more equitable across the teams, can that style of play that we see in college, the spread offenses, when you've got both teams equally talented, is that the way we're heading? Now, we, we look at the success of Michael Vick has. You're looking at a Cam Newton. Um, again, I'm going to go back. Until that style wins a championship, right. that becomes the qualifier Within that regard, and that's not to say that Cam Newton can't become that kind of quarterback. One of the dilemmas I think they're going to have in Carolina, he makes things happen in a unique way, which is great. I mean, you're all about winning. But it's like anything. If he becomes enabled in that capacity, is he really learning the lessons he's going to have to learn to eventually beat a team from the pocket in the way that we both know win in this league? Or, or is he that truly so unique an athlete so different than anything we've ever seen, a.k.a. a Michael Vick, that he, that he, he is a transitory figure in where the league is going. Well, I, it's going to be fun to watch him develop. You know, I, I, when I coached Mike when he was young, we were always working on the fundamentals of the game with Mike and trying to, you know, continually uh, push him to become a better and better pocket passer. But... At the end of the day, you need to win football games. And so while you were trying to develop those skills, you were still telling Mike, now, hey, look, if it all breaks down, right. use what God gave you, which is you know, great speed, great elusiveness, uh, great arm strength, and, and take off and go. Or make a tough throw. You know, you don't. You, we're gonna we're gonna develop you. You know, we're gonna work to develop you. And Andy's done a tremendous job, obviously, of taking it and raising it to another another level. But I think it's probably the same thing with Cam Newton. You know, you want to see him do what he does best while he's developing those right. skills that you're talking about that lead to being not just an explosive, exciting guy to watch who wins some games, but a guy that wins the game, the big game, the Super Bowl. You know, here's what's interesting. You're talking about we're talking about where the game is possibly going. You know, from the quarterback position or offensively. You know, I coach my eight-year-old and my 12-year-old kids <laughs> in in little league football. Teams are running the spread offense, and it drives me nuts. I stand on the sidelines because they're not I, developing skills. They're not developing foot. What we, what you and I know right. as football skills. I'm watching eight-year-old kids 
line up in the shotgun, four wides, and look over to the sideline like they do in college for the play after they've seen the defense. And I'm saying, well, this isn't football. Right. This is just fast-break basketball. Right. Can we run some powers and some leads and some counters and double-down, kick out? And you're right. The dilemma is, as a coach, you want to, you know, I don't want to be developing talents in a guy that so that the next coach can win with you. <laughs> right. So there's that dilemma of, I want to win the game now, but by the same token, when you look at uh, a Cam Newton, and and again, this guy had a phenomenal day, and it doesn't say that he can't develop those kind of skills. And maybe we're wrong. Maybe we're heading that way. I will tell you this: if we do get there, you better have a whole bunch of those guys because they're going to get hurt. Yeah. With the way that the spread exposes them and the ta- open ends on the tackle and the way they've got to run the ball. Now he only he only pulled the ball down and ran it uh, a handful of times, eight times. But that's eight hits on top of the sacks and the other things. Can he survive? Uh, I'm going to take it. Let me just say, Uh I I think we can both agree on this. He has a unique skill set. Absolutely. He has size, strength, speed, and a cannon for an arm. And uh, he's fun to watch. He is fun to watch. Um, Let's talk about the game specifically because it is germane to it. I, I don't think we can dismiss some of the struggles that I see in Arizona's defense right now. Ray Horton's trying to install... The Steelers' style of defense, that's what Ken Wozenhunt wants down there, and he'll do a good job. They've got some talent there, but it doesn't lend itself. You know, the Calais Campbells and Dockett are good, solid tackles, but they're not Steeler tackles and what right. you expect out of them. I love Adrian Wilson. I mean, he is a phenomenal player, but he's not Troy Polamalu in the style of what he does. I'm not sure that some of it wasn't a struggling Arizona defense that's still trying to find a person. Oh, it absolutely was. You saw the long pass to Steve Smith was certainly a blown coverage. And, uh, you know, I've known Ray for years and years. We were roommates in college and played together, and I have tremendous respect for him. And I think he'll do a great job. But you're right, the scheme you're running needs to match the talent that you have, the personnel that you have on your team. And I don't think that's the case right now. When you look at Darnell Dockett. Darnell Dockett is what we call a three technique. Right. You know, he's not a two gap player. He's a guy that gets in a, on an edge and gets up the field, and he's great at it. But to ask him to take on a tackle and press him and be able to play an inside gap and an outside gap, that's not what he does. Or Clayus Campbell the same or way. Same They're up the field guys exactly. that, that can't take on these space eating responsibilities right. in, the, in the Steelers style of play. And I, I think what what you'll see out of Arizona though is that you know they they. Kevin Cobb played well. Yes, I think did. they'll be able to make some explosive plays on offense. And I know Ray will get these guys in the right position eventually. It's just there's going to be some growing pains, like there's going to be with every team that has a new staff that didn't have the luxury of having an off-season program in which to input their system. And, and, and what's interesting to me, maybe next to uh, Namdi Asimov going to Philadelphia, the trade of Kevin Cobb to Arizona maybe was the biggest off-season acquisition because mm-hmm. you're talking about the quarterback position. Here, Kevin Cobb goes in and has a phenomenal day, 18-27 for 309 yards, two touchdowns, a 130 quarterback rating, which pains me to say because I think the quarterback rating system is useless, <laughs> but, and brought his team back with 14 points in the, in the fourth quarter to win 28-21, and we're not talking about Kevin Cobb. I think that's substantial for Arizona. I do too, and especially in that division. You know, you look at what the other quarterbacks in that division did. Sam Bradford had a tough game. Tavares Jackson really didn't do much. He had two two touchdown passes, but he struggled early. You know, he hit the one late. Uh, I had the St. Louis game. It was yeah. Oof. Alex Smith only threw the ball twenty times. Right. He was very efficient, but he didn't get any yards. You know, they won that one in the end on special teams. So. 
you know, he is certainly the premier quarterback right now right. in that division. Sean Bradford has the ability to be, and we know that's not a strong division. So that's, you're right, that is a very significant sign for Arizona and for the, the NFC West that he played the way he did. Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking, if I'm Kevin Cobb and I'm waking up this morning, it's like, i got to go back and check. Did we win? Yeah. Because no one's talking about me or the day that I had. How did I play? Yeah. <laughs> that, that, uh, let's move on to another game that was, uh, particularly from a coaching standpoint, I'm anxious to talk to you about. The Giants of the Redskins. Yeah. Uh, because so much of this game is about emotion. It's about timing. It's about dealing with injuries. Um, when, when you look at this game, I, I've been impressed with what Washington has done. You know, last year, everything just fell apart. The year before, I mean, Mike Shanahan comes in and takes over a team that has a top-five defense, has a pretty good rushing attack, and they fall off the face of the earth. They're near the last in the league in defense. They can't run the ball. Well, they're, they're back playing pretty good defense, and they're running the ball pretty good. And he's got two quarterbacks that people say, well, I, you know, how many times have we said it today? Well, maybe you can win some games, but I don't know that you can win a championship. So they're playing pretty good. they got the Giants coming to town, and the Giants were – maybe are a good football team. I look at that giant team and I just worry, are they on? We're talking one game one. (laughs) So this, it's, it's hard for me to say it, but we're looking at a team that could all of a sudden just implode given everything that they've had to overcome in the preseason, given injuries. Yeah, I think you're right. For, for the giants, it's not about, uh, it's more about emotion than it is about ability. And, uh, they seem to be fragile emotionally they seem to be teetering on the brink of you know almost i won't say panic but uh, uh given uh, given up's not a good word either just well, what do we do you know a lot at a loss and you hate to see that this early in the year and uh, you know not only that but they got the jets looming over them you know the, the other new york team sitting there and there's so much energy and excitement about the jets and here are the Giants, and they're absorbing injury after injury and insult after insult, and then they go and they get beat by the, the Washington Redskins in week one, and you think, oh, my God, these guys are in a fragile state. The thing, the thing I, for them is they got, uh, they got the Colts this week. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, they're coming back to St. Louis. This oh, wait, week. I'm sorry. Yeah, so they, and I want to talk about that because when my biggest fear as a coach was always – you know, obviously, injury and, and do I have depth at this position and, and how's my quarterback playing? But the thing I always lived in fear of, having been in this league a long time, was my players, because of the way the season is transpiring, get to the point where they feel like they give up hope. It's like the football gods are against us. You get the body blows, and everybody gets injuries. But the way you get the injuries at a specific position, uh, maybe something happens in a game. Last year, the punt return. Mm-hmm. by the Philadelphia Eagles, kind of sucked the emotion. There was almost, oh, boy, well, it's just not our time. When a team gets to that point, boy, I don't know what you do as a coach. And that, you look at the schedule of the Giants. They've got St. Louis. I did that game. St. Louis is struggling a little bit. They then have Philadelphia. They then have Arizona, Seattle, Buffalo, and Miami. Those are some winnable sure games. They so they have a way of rebounding here. But... If something should happen with outside of the Philadelphia game with one of those teams that just that quirk of fate, and we all know you can lose games just by fate, that this team really does implode going, okay, look, it's just not our time. Yeah, you, you, they've got to find a way to, to maintain hope. And uh, if they can do that, they can, they can pull out of this thing. You know, like you said, Brian, it's so early. And 
yet both of us have this kind of this feeling that man, these guys they're in a precarious position. And uh, yeah, I'll say this though, I, I you know I'm a Tom Coughlin fan, and uh, I think as long as those players continue to listen to him, that he can guide them through this. And no, they, do, they do have some winnable games. You, you mentioned St. Louis is a winnable game. At Philly, that's going to be a tough one. At Arizona, that'll be a tougher one than we think, but it's winnable. Seattle's winnable. Buffalo's winnable. So, I'm know. going to get defensive for a coach, though, Go ahead. here, because here's my concern. I'm with you. I'm a Tom Coughlin fan. And you know how this goes, Jim. If things, and Tom's just the guy to just keep chopping the wood, we're going to stay fundamentally sound. Guys, you're not going to like it, but I'm going to push you through this. Just follow mm-hmm. me because it's a tough time and we'll do it. If things do take a bit of a twist, that the players predictably, well, it must can't be us, so it must be the coach. Yeah, all of a sudden he that, starts taking the emotional blame yeah. for what has happened. Well, to his he's team. taken so much emotional blame, you know, in his career there that it's ridiculous. The guy's won a Super Bowl. He's one of the great coaches in the history of the league, in my in my opinion, but. The fact of the matter, he's in a tough media market. Doesn't help when you got like guys like Tiki Barber that are ripping you, Plexico Burris that are ripping you, and the media jumps on that. You know, I, like I said, I'm a Tom Coughlin fan. If uh, I would like to see those players, you know, follow his lead because right. I think he's a guy that can lead them out of any funk that they may be in. Yeah, that's that's and 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 let's flip it. Let's give some credit now to Washington. You know, sure, I'm interested sure. in your view. I, I think Washington looked pretty good. They're again interesting dilemma. Now they'll they'll never say this, but I'm I'm not sure you can win a championship with Rex Grossman or John Beck. But but they are playing good team defense. They look to be like as typical of Mike Shanahan. They will get back to a good solid running game. How good do we think Washington can be? Uh, just good enough to miss the playoffs, in my opinion. You know, I think Mike's a great coach. I think Jim Hazlitt's a great coach. And I think now that he's, they're in the second year of their system with Jim on defense, you'll see them continue to improve like they did yesterday. I think that Mike will maximize the skill sets that he has offensively. But just like you, Brian, I, I like Rex Grossman, but I'm not sure that he is going to take any team to the Super Bowl. You know, uh, Nor do I think he's going to take them to a division championship. I think they'd have to get awfully lucky, get a lot of breaks for that to happen. Uh, but uh, you know, I like the way they're I like the way they're headed. You know, I think it seems to me that they're they're buying into uh, Mike's philosophy. They're buying into Hazlitt's philosophy, and they'll be a good team. They'll be a team that jumps up and surprises people a little bit. But good enough to win the division. Good enough to get in the playoffs. Not yet, in my opinion. Let's uh, let's look ahead to an interesting game. Um, and and I had the Philadelphia St. Louis game last week. Uh, obviously, you're familiar with the Atlanta situation. Uh, Atlanta, uh, unbelievably one-sided lops, lopsided loss t- to Chicago. Uh, Atlanta's playing Philadelphia here. Um, let's talk a little bit about that. Um, I don't know whether to make of Atlanta's inabilities on defense and, and uncharacteristic mistakes on offense, or do we give Chicago, and we always seem hesitant to give Chicago yeah, we do, don't the we? credit <laughs> they do, but they're playing good defense, and Jay Cutler was magnificent. Yeah, I think it's a little bit of both. You know, uh, Jay's taken a lot of heat since the playoff game. Uh, we are hesitant, as you said, to give Chicago a lot of credit because, you know, they're not a sexy team, right. you know, but they win with good, solid, fundamental football. And when they protect the ball like they did and Jay Cutler's accurate like he was, then they're gonna, and they play good defense like they, they normally do, they're going to beat a lot of teams. But I was still surprised that even as good as the Chicago defense is, I was surprised 
that Atlanta was ineffective on offense. You know, I thought that they would score some points. I didn't know that they'd win the game, but I thought it would be a much more competitive game than it was. I think that uh, Mike Smith did a great job after the game saying, yeah, we're disappointed, but we're not discouraged. And I think that his team will adopt that attitude this week, and they'll come out and they'll have a heck of a game versus the Eagles. But it'll be a heck of a game. Well, and, and they have experience here now as a team that's been to the playoffs and, and, and going into the fourth year of Mike Smith's reign. You had their opening game last year where they went up and lost to Pittsburgh. But it was a close loss. Uh, and they came back and played well and obviously got the number one seed in the NFC. They have to turn around now and play a pretty good Philadelphia team, the quote-unquote dream team. This is going to be a big challenge. It's going to be a great challenge for them. And it'll be a great challenge for their defense because their defense, you know, arguably didn't play very well yesterday. And there are some questions defensively if they're good enough to, you know, win a Super Bowl. And people are picking them as a potential team to be, you know, standing at the very end. My question all offseason has been is what have you done to upgrade your defense? Yeah. And I know that they went and they got Julio Jones and you got to score points to win. But I guess it's my old school mindset. You still got to play some defense in this league. And I, I like their scheme. I like their coaches. I think they do a really good job coaching them up. Uh, I don't know that they have quite enough talent on that side of the ball to win it all yet. And you're putting a lot on Brian Van Gorder's plate. And, and, but he's a hell of a coach. He has, and I love the way that defense rallies to the ball. Oh, they you, swarm. You, yeah. and, and as a defensive coach, I know you love that. I love Brian Van Gorder. I think uh, he does a great job. Picking up Edwards to yeah. go opposite uh, yeah, Abram just, is a good pickup. But I'm with you. They don't have... You know, they have a below-the-line group on defense that they play kind of above the line in the yeah. upper half of the league, or upper half meaning, you know, 16 teams. Uh, but, they, yeah, they sold out. It was, let's wrap as many assets as we can around Matt Ryan. Philadelphia, and I had that game, and, and it ended up being a great game for them. Anytime you can win on the road, that's substantial. Yes. I don't care who you're playing. The Dream Team, obviously, and Andy Reid doesn't want to hear that, but he doesn't have a vote because that's the way people are calling it, you know. Uh, and they've got some great elements to it. But there are some questions for that team, and the question marks did pop up in the game. The interior of the offensive line, the changeover that Howard Mudd's doing with them, a rookie at center, two journeymen at guards, their ability to hold up, and he was under duress. Now, there's no better guy to have back in the pocket than Michael Vick when you're under duress. The rookie linebackers in Juan Castillo's new defense struggled a little bit, fitting up with the defense. They got gashed in the run pretty good, and that's going to have to get cleaned up. The rookie kickers seemed to be okay. I thought Juan Castillo had a great opening first game. There were three third downs that he had them off the field, but penalties kept drives alive. Had that not happened, it could have been an overwhelming game for them. So there are some questions about Philadelphia, but all in all, that was a good start. Well, it was a good start, but big test with Atlanta because Atlanta, they've got to get a win. Uh, they can run the ball, and they will run the ball. Right. Michael Turner will run the ball, and so if they're struggling, if the Eagles are struggling defensively right now to stop the run, then they're going to get exposed, and they're going to get the ball run right down their throat. I'm not saying that's going to happen, but if they're if they're struggling, it very well could happen. Uh, it, it'll be interesting to see how Mike Vick is uh, received in Atlanta. Yeah, how's that going to play with the team? Do you think? Well, I. I, I I think it'll be fine. I think, and this is my opinion, I could be very wrong, I think the fans will embrace Mike's return. Mm -hmm. I just really do. He was, a, you know, he was an icon down there. Uh, you know, some of the things he did off the field obviously bother a lot of people, but there's a lot of people down there that love Michael Vick, and I hope, I really hope they show him the respect that I think he deserves 
after having reinvented his life like he has. And that will be interesting because, as you know, that fan base down there, it, it's they're good fans. They're not necessarily rabid fans like you see in some other towns in terms of they show up a little later. And, and uh, But given that respect for Michael Vick, then how does it transition during the game when the, the Atlanta players sitting there going, well, wait a minute, who are you cheering for here? I mean, we're your Atlanta right. Falcons. That's always an interesting dynamic. To well, me. they'll be pulling for the Falcons right. now. I mean, but but I, I just hope they don't boo Mike when he comes out of yeah. the tunnel, and I don't think they will. I mean, that's a respectful group of fans. Uh, they respect the game. They respect the players. You know, in my time down there, I always felt like they were, they were knowledgeable. Uh, their, their passion kind of goes to the Georgia Bulldogs, but they're still very passionate about the Atlanta Falcons. I think Arthur Blank's done a good job there of kind of cultivating an atmosphere around the Falcons that's invited the fans in and made them more a part of it. But it'll be interesting still to see what kind of reception Mike gets and then how he plays back in the Dome. I think he'll, I think he'll play pretty darn well. You, uh, and we don't have a lot of time here, but the, uh, for another conversation for us later down the line, we talked about a Cam Newton. You believe Philadelphia can win a championship with a Michael Vick-style quarterback? Well, given the weapons around him, you know, Shady McCoy and, and Deshaun Jackson and, uh, and, and then Mike's skill set, right. uh, if they can get their defense squared away, you know, I, I do. I do, and I know that would be breaking the trend. But I, I do, you know, I, I think Mike can get it done. Well, and I even even if I'm wrong, it's it, uh, and you do win a championship, and be, well, okay, that's the future of football. You got to go to Michael Vick. Wait a minute, Mm-mm. there's only one of those guys, now. right? So <laughs> it's not like the bunch of those cats are floating around. It's oh, well, okay, let's go get one of those guys and, and win with it. Well, this was fun. We're going to wrap this up. Uh, you can catch this podcast every week on NFL.com and downloadable on iTunes. Head to NFL.com backslash podcast for more. Next week, a lot of games to look forward to. Until then, this is Brian Billick and Jim Moore, and we look forward to seeing you not only here, but on the Coaches Show every Monday at 6.30 on the NFL Network.